What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And if you are a college basketball fan, you are aware that the Final Four is now set. We finished the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight, and we are here to recap the biggest events that happened throughout those two rounds, starting off with, boy, oh, boy, are we excited for this, to talk about this. Michigan. Michigan's brutal. This is a, this is a complete choke job. I don't want it. this is this is choke job. This is this is this is this is honestly hilarious. I mean, Michigan's choke and UCLA's Cinderella story. Excuse me. And obviously, simple as that. Michigan choked, and for UCLA, I mean, what they've gone through to get to here, considering they were down fourteen points in the first four to upsetting BYU. Beating Abilene Christian, I mean, tough game. Abilene Christian, I mean, juggernaut in the half right there. And then to play in the game of the tournament, to have all the momentum loss going into the overtime against Alabama, to find a way to go on and win that game without Johnny Juzang, and then for Johnny Juzang to come back and single-handedly win the game against Michigan. I mean, what, what a story for UCLA, a team that a lot of people thought shouldn't even be in the tournament, lost four straight coming into the tournament, basically with the reason we're – were the reason Oregon State's even in the tournament. They considering that they missed two free throws that allowed Oregon State to tie the game and go to overtime. So thanks to UCLA, they got an extra team in the in the Elite Eight as well as probably the reason why they got to the Final Four run. Or got to the Final Four. So I mean, amazing for UCLA. Uh phenomenal for Michigan State fans. It, considering what Michigan did. I mean, that's, that's a choke. It's as simple as that. It's really a choke job, Andrew. Yeah. And I, I was thrilled to watch Michigan uh, lose their elite eight game to UCLA. And of course we know a lot of Michigan fans and they were fairly confident coming into this game. Oh, we have to face an 11 seed, man. This is a walk in the park to get to the final four and wait a minute. Johnny Juzang comes along and kills their, their hopes and dreams of getting to the final four, man, what a run by UCLA. I mean, th- this team o- has overcome so much, like you said, and for their, including, I don't think you mentioned this, their best player getting injured. So Mi- Michigan can make all their excuses about, oh, we didn't have Isaiah Livers, blah, blah, blah. Well, they didn't have their best player either. So they just beat you straight up and that's how it is. And Michigan, let's be honest, and I can say this, they're they're a better team, but man, they just did not show up. Like you said, they choked. They choked this game. They should have won this game. We all know that. UCLA has been showing it all tournament. They're going to pounce on you. They're going to pounce right from the start. And if you can't match that energy, if you can't hit the shots that they're hitting, especially Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez, you're you're not going to win the game. And we've seen it all tournament. That's exactly what's been happening. UCLA has just been pouncing on teams from the jump and not many teams have been able to match their energy. And even, even in overtime, you saw it against Alabama. Alabama seemed to have all the momentum going into overtime in the Sweet 16. But UCLA still was the first to, to uh, hit their shots in overtime. They were the first team to, to get it going in overtime and therefore they won. And we've been seeing it all tournament. Like I said, UCLA, what an incredible Cinderella story. I'm so glad 
to see a team with with a Cinderella story because it's just been a crazy year. It only fits this year to see a double digit seed, especially a team that was in the first four in the final four. Incredible run by UCLA, an incredible choke by the University of Michigan. Yeah, Andrew, our next topic is, is really as simple as the title that we have written down. Gonzaga is dominant. Gonzaga is the best team in the country. Gonzaga should win the national championship, and I can definit- definitively say that they should win it all. Now, whether they will is another story. I wouldn't say it's a choke job if they lose to a team like Baylor or Houston. If they lose to UCLA, that's a choke job. But Gonzaga should win the national championship, Andrew, and they're the best team in the country. Yeah, and and you can't disagree with that. I mean, they're a 30 win undefeated team and they're averaging blowing or they're averaging their average win margin is by 20 plus points. I believe that's insane. And I think it's fair to say that this is one of the most dominant teams in the history of college basketball. And like you said, it wouldn't be a choke if they, they're not choking the national championship because there are other great teams still left in the final four and including Baylor, Houston. I mean, if, if you lose to you, I know we just kind of talked about UCLA and how good they've been playing, but if you lose to UCLA, this Gonzaga team, you can't be in that conversation as one of the best teams of all time in college basketball anymore. But Gonzaga is looking like they're heading straight to the national championship and is looking like they're going to win it all at, at this point. They've just been so dominant. I mean, even against a team like USC, who is supposed to be the best interior uh, defensive team and probably the best defensive team they faced all year, but the best interior defensive team in the country. And they didn't have a single block. And Gonzaga's center, Drew Timmy, had, a, had I believe, 23 points on Evan Mobley, who's supposed to be the best interior defensive player in the country and a top NBA prospect. I mean... And, and that's, that's not even mentioning Jalen Suggs, who nearly had a triple-double. Corey Kispert, who's just insane. Joel, Joel Ayayi, I believe. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm really bad with names. I believe I pronounced it right, though. And he, he had a great game himself. I mean, me and Henry were talking about this before the podcast. I mean, Gonzaga just has so many weapons. And it's not like they're a deep team. It's not like they play... 10 guys off the bench they they just have so many weapons and it, it's it's just crazy everyone in their starting lineup you you have to talk about because it's not just one guy is is what I'm trying to get at they have so many guys who can kill you I mean their top two players let's say Jalen Suggs and uh, Kispert could have off games and they'll still beat you by 15 because Timmy uh, goes off and scores 30 points, and Ayayi has nearly a triple-double. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Gonzaga, is, I think, is one of the most, if not the most dominant team we've seen this decade. And I, I think you can say they could go down as one of the best teams in history if they find a way to pull off this undefeated run and win the national championship. I, I think this team can go down as one of the best in history. Yeah, Andrew, moving on now to our next topic. And, you know, I I think everyone in the country was rooting for Oral Roberts here in this game, and they came about an inch short from doing it. Max Acemas had a chance to win the game, got 
about as good as your of a look that you're going to get in 2.7 seconds. It, it's unfortunate that he missed, but Oral Roberts had a phenomenal run. And to think about that they were about an inch and a half away from being in the Elite Eight, taking on Baylor, I mean, that that's incredible. I, I, I have to get props to Oral Roberts for this amazing run. I mean, Arkansas, to not to not build on that pressure that was losing to a 15 seed, Congrats to them. They, they're a very good team. Unfortunately for them, they lost to Baylor in the final four or in the elite eight, excuse me, but or Roberts had a phenomenal run. And that that's really all I can say here. There's not much to dwell on for them. Yeah. And this is probably one of the most historic uh, runs we'll see from a 15 seed. I mean, we've only seen one other 15 seed get to the sweet 16 in history and none other get past that. And to think that Oral Roberts was one shot away and a few inches away from getting to the elite eight. I mean, that that's just insane. And I think we just have to appreciate what we just saw, because like I said, that was one of the best runs uh, by a double digit seed like Oral Roberts, who's a 15 seed. I know we just saw UCLA, so I can't really say double digit seed, but by a 15 seed, I mean, you'll see in a, in a bit, in a, in a while. And I, yeah, I just think we have to appreciate what we saw because Oral Roberts is truly a unique 15 seed. And I don't think we'll see anything like that for a while. Yeah, Andrew, moving on now to our next topic, which is kind of one that a lot of people didn't expect to talk about considering all that they had encountered throughout the past couple of weeks leading up to the tournament. But Villanova, almost made the elite eight they almost beat baylor and i guarantee you with colin gillespie the way they were they were playing that in that game they definitely win because they were up i i think five points or something like that with 12 minutes to go when you have a good point guard that knows how to control the game like colin gillespie does i mean they win that game there, there's no doubt in my mind but the fact that they lack so much at point guard without him and, and they'll be fine. I mean, trust me, Villanova develops point guards like everyone, like no one else in the country does. I mean, they'll whoever plays point guard for them next will sh- sure as hell be another great point guard. But right now, whoever that is is not re- was obviously not ready. And I'm pretty sure it was it was it was Chris. I'm not even sure it was one. It was some Archie Diakno. I mean, there's like eight different ones at this point. But he obviously wasn't ready. And a Colin Gillespie-led Villanova team definitely wins that game and is probably sitting in the Final Four right now taking on Houston. But it was a heck of a run for a team that a lot of people expected to lose to Winthrop and to be within eight or nine points of a team that is probably the consensus number two team in the country is pretty impressive for a team that lost their leader with a week to go in the regular season. Yeah, and the final score won't tell you everything. I know they lost by, I believe, eight points. But this game was close throughout the whole thing until the final stretch. I mean, Baylor started pulling away with uh, down the final stretch, like I said. But th- this game was close the entire game. Villanova had this game uh, within its grasp uh, to, to win it. But, of course, they couldn't get it done. Like you said, just incredible that they could uh, get this far and get so close to the Elite Eight. Uh, with, without their leader I mean it, it's just incredible and Villanova had a heck of a run but Baylor is just a, a serious threat to win this entire tournament to win the national championship I mean they they just look so good they can stop you on defense they can light you up on the offensive end 
and they have like a three-headed monster at guard between Jared Butler, uh, Mitchell, and Teague. I mean, you you can't stop them nearly. And I, I know it's kind of like the same deal with Gonzaga. You can't stop them either. So I, I'm truly rooting for a Gonzaga-Baylor national championship game because it will be one of the greatest games I think you'll see in a, in a while because they will just be two juggernauts. I mean, those, those two teams are just so dominant. And to see two dominant teams clash for the national championship game, that, that will just be an absolute treat. So I'm truly looking forward to that game if, if it happens. But of course, you never know what's going to happen in the final four. But back to Villanova, incredible run just to make it to the Sweet 16 and stay close all the way up until the end with one of the best teams in the country without your leader, without your best player. Great run by Jay Wright in the Villanova Wildcats. Yeah, Andrew, and arguably, I mean, UCLA making the Final Four was probably the most impressive one run, you can argue, or Roberts this Sweet 16. But Oregon State making the Elite Eight, I mean, that that was insanely impressive. I mean, first of all, it beat Tennessee, a five seed. Pretty impressive nonetheless. I know they weren't that great of a team. Very impressive for a 12 seed. Then to beat Cade Cunningham, the presumptive number one overall pick in Oklahoma State in the second round. Extremely impressive. And then in a game facing a team, Loyola Chicago. I know a lot of people expected Loyola Chicago, Oregon State in the Sweet 16. They were counted out of that game for sure. I mean, everyone expected Loyola to win that game. I mean, I don't think I saw a single person pick Oregon State to win that game. Oregon State came out and for majority of that game, 30 minutes, I could say of that game, they looked like the better team. Loyola looked flustered. They looked lost on offense. Oregon State just simply looked better. And I know you're going to always, you're going to remember them as the team that came up just short, but I mean, this team, the, the way that they battled all season long, the fact that they had to win four straight games in the Pac-12 tournament just to get here and then won three games in the NCAA tournament. And that's incredible. I mean, Wayne Tinkle did a phenomenal job to end the season and made a humongous run for an Oregon state program that looked like they were on the brink of, uh, what, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, failure, uh, poverty program. I don't know how you, I don't know how you would define what they were on the brink of, but now they're starting to have life. They have life there in Oregon at Oregon state. So what a run for them. And unfortunately they weren't able to make it to the final four, but hell of a run nonetheless. Yeah. And just to add on what you were saying, I mean, this Oregon state program was not even spoken of because they are not thought of as a basketball program and they kind of revived this basketball program by this run they had in, in this, uh, in the March Madness tournament, NCAA tournament. I mean, Man, they they were picked in the preseason by the media to finish last in the conference. And they were one of the last teams standing. They made it all the way to the Sweets, or Elite Eight, excuse me. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight, one of the last teams standing in the entire country, let alone their conference, the entire country. One of the last eight teams standing. And, and they were picked last before the season in their conference to finish last. 
that's an incredible story for you. And it's just crazy to think that there was absolutely no chance they were getting in this tournament unless they won their conference tournament. And they did just that. And then they just rode that momentum through the tournament, beat a five seed, like you said, beat a four seed. And then with, with one of the most highly touted prospects in a while, Cade Cunningham. And then you go on, and I think this was their most impressive one, beating Sister Jean in Loyola, Chicago. I mean, not many people can say they beat Sister Jean in March, but Oregon State did it somehow and found their way to the Elite Eight where they put up a pretty good second half fight. I know that first half wasn't ideal for them, but the second half, they drew it close. Although they couldn't get it done, they still put up a great fight. And just an incredible run, incredible story for this Oregon State program. Just this is what March is about. And they, they showcased what March is about. Cinderella runs. And that's exactly what they did there. Yeah, Andrew. Now moving on to the Mickey Mouse final four run honorable, honorable mention that we will be talking about today. And that is Houston. They made... The final four with the easiest path in the history of the NCAA tournament. And this is this is this isn't me coming up with this. This is this is a proven fact, proven stat. This was the easiest run for a team based on seeding to get to the final four ever. They the best team they faced was Rutgers. Let that, let that sink in. Rutgers University was the best team Houston faced to get to the final four. If that doesn't have Mickey Mouse written all over it to you. I don't know what does, but I mean, it's kind of ironic after all that Kelvin Sampson went through at Indiana, uh, all the cheating scandals that he had and the way he was let go there to win or make the final four in an easy road in the state, in the state of Indiana. It, it's kind of ironic and funny, but nonetheless, congrats to them. They're, they're honestly a pretty fun team to watch. I kind of like rooting for them, but I mean, it's as simple as that, but I mean, this was not a tough road. Like, I mean, come on. This is not a tough road to get to the Final Four at all. Yeah, they beat 15 seed Cleveland State, I believe, who they played. I'm not exactly sure on that. And then they went on in the second round, played 10 seeded Rutgers, which is the high or lowest seed they actually played. Went on to face 11 seed Syracuse in the sweet 16 and then in the elite eight they played 12 seed oregon state like you said pretty easy road by seeding and just looking at it it was a pretty easy road but if you watch those games it wasn't exactly easy for them especially that Rutgers game i mean they almost blew they almost lost a game against Rutgers. I mean, that, that was a miracle for them. And Syracuse, they just game-planned well for. They played well against them, and they shut down their best player in Buddy Beheim. What an incredible run by him and Syracuse, by the way, too, mentioning them. And then against Oregon State, they almost blew that game as well, found a way to, to uh, pull away at the end. But they, they nearly blew that game as well after being up by, I think it was – 17 at halftime I think it was 34 to 17 or something they doubled their score and then they nearly got doubled in the second half but they hung on won the game incredible 
by Houston just by the fact that they've been able to survive nearly every game they've played because it has not been easy for them. But they found a way to get to the Final Four, and only three other teams found a way to do that. So although it was an easy run, it's still incredible nonetheless that they found their way to be one of the last four teams standing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Andrew, moving on now to our final topic today. It, it seems inevitable at this point with all the things that college basketball has gone through, the way that this game was supposed to happen and then was canceled basically like 30 minutes before the game. It just seems like destiny and inevitability that we are going to see Gonzaga Baylor in the national championship game and just receive an all-time classic. I know I may jinx that. It, it, does, it, does it not seem inevitable at this point? I, I, I think I, I truly think it does. I mean, it seems like they're on a collision course. It just seems like it's destiny at this point, Andrew. I, I agree. And they were supposed to have a game earlier this season, but it got canceled because of COVID, I believe. And they must really want to reschedule that game because they didn't get the chance to. And this is the perfect way to do it with everything on the line in the national championship game. This is their chance to, to get their uh, rematch or their rescheduled game, I should say from the earlier from the canceled game that they had earlier in the season between the two and like I said earlier in the podcast this will just be an incredible game if it happens and I think it'll be go down it's one of the best national championships in 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 history I can I can confidently say that just because these two teams are so dominant and from the beginning of the season midway through the season and all the way to the end of the season, we found our way saying the same thing we were saying. And we all knew that Gonzaga and Baylor were the best two teams in college basketball by a good margin. And man, we're still saying the same thing here as the season's coming to close. And like you said, it seemed like it was destiny. It still does. And I'm just crossing our fingers that we see that matchup as much as I want to root for the Cinderella story, UCLA, as much as I want to root for Houston, possibly pulling off a huge upset and getting their uh, first ever national title. But man, this Gonzaga Baylor game, like you said, it's almost inevitable. We just want to see the best game possible. And if you want to see that it's Gonzaga Baylor, and this will be just a crazy game. When I, like I said, I think it'll be one of the best games, national championship games in history if it happens. Two juggernauts, two dominant teams. Who knows who will come out as the victor? But I, I just want to see an incredible game. And that's the game if you want to see a great one. Gonzaga versus Baylor. I'm hoping it happens. But nonetheless, it should be an entertaining Final Four no matter who wins their games, no matter who wins the national championship game. I'm just hoping to see the best game possible. And I think Gonzaga Baylor can deliver that. And I think it will happen just because they have the two best teams left, the two most dominant teams in college basketball. And they're, they're just so unstoppable, both teams. So who knows what happens if they play each other. But if I'm being honest, I have Gonzaga. If, if they do, I want to hear who you have, Henry. But if, if Gonzaga and Baylor play each other, I have Gonzaga just because Gonzaga is just, like I said, they have so many weapons, more weapons than Baylor has. And Gonzaga just lights up teams left and right. I don't know if Baylor could be able to stick with them, but who knows? Baylor, Baylor's really good team too. So could go either way. 
I'm going Gonzaga though. Henry, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are I'm not going to give on a pick. I'm not going to give a pick of the of a game that's not even that may not even happen. Pointless and could come back to this just at that point making a pick for a game that might not happen and just being depressed because well, at that point the game wouldn't have happened. So I'll, I'll wait till the game is supposed to happen. We'll, we'll we'll definitely have a podcast coming out about national championship game. Whoever is in it, hopefully, fingers crossed. Baylor and Gonzaga collision course. I mean, these are two of the best teams we've had in, in a long time in college basketball. I mean, they've been far and above everyone else all season long. So I think I could look forward to having those two teams face off on Monday night, April fifth, nine p.m. CBS. Fingers crossed, we get that game. With that all being said, I think this would be a great time to wrap up today's podcast. As always, we want to thank everyone for listening. We hope you did enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Day Sports Podcast.